the pedigree of different plants and history behind different practices and breeding programs has been of great interest to me since the latter years of high school. This documentary, for lack of a better word, is one of my latest ambitions in terms of tracing out many of the pedigrees of the different field crop varieties we see coming out of the University of Guelph and its subsidiary, Richtown, and piecing it out based on whatever information I could get my hands on. In this series, we'll be covering four field crops, corn, soybean, wheat, and dry beans. To begin this whole process, we must discuss the history of the University of Guelph. The University of Guelph started off as OAC, the Ontario Agriculture School. This was a college and experimental forum opened in 1874 with oversight from the University of Toronto. It was founded by the Provincial Agricultural Ministry and based in a 550-acre farm from William Stone. It was named Ontario Agricultural College proper in 1880, and during that time, in conjunction with the University of Toronto, both undergraduate and graduate degrees were being given out in the OEC, or Ontario Agricultural College, as part of a degree and graduate degree program. The OAC joined forces with the Ontario Veterinary College and the Macdonald Institute in 1964, forming the University of Guelph. A great deal of the breeding work happened during the early foundings of OAC and afterwards as well. Now let's begin our first crop in University of Guelph, corn. Corn is the most tricky of the crops to track down, considering the nature of F1 hybrids within corn. Corn cultivars are bred through the creation of inbred lines, obtained through forced self-pollination of corn populations to reach a state of homozygosity. These inbred lines are then crossbred with each other to create F1 hybrids. Many of these ancient inbred lines, due to many of these varieties being proprietary material. Indeed, I've been unable to look up many of these varieties, and for some, I do not even know which companies created them. To that end, I'll be referencing many papers discussing the pedigree of Canadian varieties of corn inbred lines, as I'm unable to find much else, and it's likely that many of these lines, alongside lines from outside of Canada, are continuously intermingling to produce new varieties of inbred line for the further development of F1 hybrids. You'll start off with you'll start off with a paper by Dr. L. M. Reed. This researcher listed out all the different lineages of different varieties of corn inbred lines, as you can see throughout the video through the various images on screen. Based on the pedigree analysis, the 129 inbred lines studied, a total of 94 inbred lines were classified into 8 pedigree groups. Each group corresponds with direct lineal descent from a specific inbred line population. The lineage of group 1 seems to be descended from the Iowa Stiffstock Synthetic population. Group 2 seems to be descended from the European Flint population. Group 3 Lancaster population, Group 4 Minnesota 13, Group 5 Early Butler, Group 6 Iodent, Group 7 Pioneer 3990, and Group 8 seems to be derived mostly from 3994. 18 of the 129 lines seem to be derived from five major sources the Iowa Stiffstock Synthetic, the inbred line labeled B73 the inbred line labeled B14, and the inbred line labeled B47. These all seem to be descended from the group 1 genotype. 19 of the 94 lines listed seem to be derived from free genetic sources, INRA258, Fitzer44, and Leftbridge gene pool, all three of which are derived from the European flint inbred line populations. 15 lines seem to be derived from MO17, OH43, LH83, WI53, and H99. All of these inbred line groups seem to be derived from the Lancaster inbred line group. Group 4 consisted of 7 inbred lines 
directly derived from Minnesota 13 or a commercial hybrid Pride 5, which was likewise derived from Minnesota 13. The group 5 or early Butler lineage consists of seven inbred lines derived from the early Butler lineage. The group 6 population derived from Iodent consists of four inbred lines. The group 7 population derived from Pioneer 3990 has 11 inbred lines derived directly from Pioneer 3990. Pioneer 3994 has 13 inbred lines derived from this population. And the remaining 35 inbred lines did not share much genetic similarity with the above 8 genetic groups. Based on its information, these three groups of inbred lines seem to have been used extensively well within the Canadian breeding programs. And this is likely the primordial gene pool from which our corn inbred lines are derived. From there we can conclude by proxy that at least some of these lines have been used in the Guelph breeding program within Ontario. As for the history of these breeding programs, that remains partially unknown. I was unable to find any information either on the University of Guelph website proper, nor any knowledge from the plant breeders, specifically the corn breeders, doing their work within the campus. Before we continue, you have to discuss what an open pollinated line is, and what an inbred line is, and what an F1 hybrid is, as well as recurrent selection. Inbred lines are when you force a cross-pollinating species to self-pollinate. If you do this enough, you will wind up with a population that is genetically homozygous, with a very similar phenotype as well. F1 hybrids are crossbreeds of two or more inbred lines. An open-pollinated line is a subpopulation of a land race or subpopulation of another open-pollinated line that's been selected for specific traits and has been allowed to crossbreed within itself to add new genetic diversity either through crossbreeding between different lineages of two different open pollinated lines to different land races or within the same open pollinated line and land race. Recurrent selection is where by various methods you develop a base population, make selections of that base population and use those plants to generate the next generation, then you rinse and repeat. This is done to either improve on an existing trait, fix another trait into a population, or generate a new population from other populations. Synthetics are often made through combining different populations of different plants together to develop a new population. This can be used as is or as a source of resources for inbred lines. In Illinois, for instance, recursive selection of corn has been used to improve oil content within a population of corn, although it did come of the consequences of a smaller seed size reducing overall yield. The base population can be derived from many different sources, such as one or more open pollinated lines, a multitude of inbred lines, or a multitude of hybrid lines, or some combination of all of the above. Recurrent selection within different populations also varies in effectiveness by how big the population or genetic diversity is. A wider population and wider genetic diversity could mean that you get bigger improvements farther down the line than you would with a smaller population, but the path to get there is slower. In a smaller population, the process to improve or fix a trait happens faster. But that trait improvement is not as great as it could have been if selected from a larger source. Regardless of how you select these things, the end result is a general improvement in some specific traits. And we'll be covering how a group of populations was improved by Dr. Elizabeth Lee, since this will play a big role in the roots of Guelph germplasm of corn and what would likely appear within the next generation of corn inbred lines and F1 hybrids. To expand upon this bit of knowledge I have now, I found a registration for 38 
maize breeding populations. This paper was written by Dr. Elizabeth Lee, the corn breeder of the University of Guelph, written in November 2006. This documents a project trying to reduce the growing season length of corn within Ontario to improve adaptation to short season environments, utilizing different populations and recurring selection in order to breed new varieties. The populations listed can be seen on screen as we speak. The first major population group was CGSYNA. This synthetic was derived from 20 short season sources including A populations or population crosses, which include the cultivar groups Early Manitoba Coal Tolerant, which was an open pollinated line, EMCT2, another open pollinated line derived from the same population, Golden Glow, an open pollinated line called Rutherford, Manitoba, cold resistant synthetic, Schindelmeiser F2, a hybrid between Manitoba cold resistant synthetic and Northwestern Dent, and Northwestern Dent cross of Schindelmeiser, as well as nine hybrids such as Hapala 175, Pride 5, United 108, OX 303, CO 168, XCO24, CO113XW103, Pioneer Experimental 1, Cas H1, and A498XW103, as well as three inbred lines CG6, MC101, and W9. All possible crosses between these populations were made and bulked into a base population. These were then subject to mass selection. For sixth generation, the methods used can be seen on screen right now. From this mass selection process, three lineages were found. PI613061, PI613060, and PI613062. The first lineage, these lineages have not yet been used to make inbred lines, as stated in the article. Plausibly, they need to be further refined. C, G, Sin, B were derived from populations that are later maturing than C, G, Sin, A and are less tolerant to high plant densities, but are nonetheless far more resilient to disease through the selection for disease-free ears and smudge-free plants. This synthetic was derived from F2 crosses between high-altitude land races from the Colombian Andes such as Rocomex, V7, Blanco Ruby, and Candelmarca 410. Two populations were derived from this process. It does not say if they are used for agronomic purposes as of yet. The C.G. Wigner population seemed to be derived from combining the Wigner population, a European dent variety, derived from Wisconsin 25, a population of inbreds developed in the United States. The C.G. Wigner populations derived from crossbreeding variants in the C.G. Sine population, specifically P.I. 613062 and Wigger. The resulting progeny were continually crossbred and selected through recursive selection. Then there's C.G. Sindelmeiser, another synthetic created by combining the open pollinated Flynn population of Germany called Schindelmeiser with the synthetics. CG Sin A, population free, and CG Wigger. The next two cultivar groups would be CG Hope Elite A and CG Hope Elite B. These are derived entirely from a population breeding system developed in 1995 by Dr. Kennenberg and Dr. Falk. These genetic lines were further improved through reciprocal selections. They have two different forms, the A line and the B line. CG Hope Elite A is derived from reciprocal selection of the best lines within the Hope A lineage. CG Hope Elite B is the same only for the B lineage. The next lineage is the CG Stiff Stock Synthetic, which is derived from 18 inbred lines A632, A634, A635, A664, A665. A669, B14A, B37, B73, CH1, 
586-12, CH 591-23, CH 591-36, CM 105, CM 174, H84, MS 153, N28, and SD24, all of which seem to be derived from the Iowa Stiff Stock Synthetic. Further improvement using a hybrid called CO, an inbred derived from a freeway cross called CO263 was likewise used as well. Each individual plant was crossbred with each other as well as CO263. Each of the progeny derived from a single cross was then subsequently crossbred with CO263, with every other cross being derived from this hybridization. With one generation of regular intercrossing and one generation of crossbreeding with CO263 until the fourth generation when the synthetic was stabilized. A similar phenomenon was used to make CJ Lancaster. This was made using 26 inbred lines derived from the Lancaster clade of inbred lines as well as the OX553 inbred line derived from a freeway hybrid. Just like CG stiff stock, this synthetic was derived through the same process, although using different inbreds. Three different populations were derived from both groups. CGCBI and CGCBII were both derived from inbred lines. These lines include F120, CG6, CO113, CO113, 311 and Prezi Bioa, as well as Malaplanca and Bodini 122. These lineages have resistance to European corn borer and high yield. This synthetic was likewise derived from this population. CGBII is derived from 11 inbred lines that are also known for reduced susceptibility of European corn borer. These include CM169, CM139, RB262, RC150, CG11, CG13, A385, CM43, A498, Weiger2-1-2, and 3W775-127-SIB7-6-1. This synthetic was created through reciprocal selection within these populations in combination with reciprocal selection with CGBI. The CG cross Canada gene pool is an synthetic derived from Pioneer and Pixie lines as well as First Line lines and two varieties called Rothwell and OX715. These are all commercial hybrids that exhibited drought tolerance. CG SYNGA and CG SYNGB are likewise derived from Guelph inbred lines. Most of these lines have also been used to develop that likewise have good economic traits. Still other varieties have been found to be adapted to southwestern Ontario, such as CG Kuroko Flower, CG Caruso Flower, CG Kakato Flint, and CG Caribbean Flint. It is likely that many of these varieties will make it into the pedigree of new inbred lines and new F1 hybrids. But this is as far as I can go in terms of corn. Which brings us to our next crop, wheat. Now on to the history of soybean breeding within the University of Guelph. Before we can begin, we must look at the contribution of different North American genotypes into our modern cultivars. In the very beginnings of soybean breeding in North America, only a small number of genotypes were being used for breeding purposes. In the northern gene pool, which includes the northern parts of the United States and Canada, the following cultivars were commonly used. The Mandarin variant of Ottawa, the Mandarin variant of Illinois, the Manchu cultivar, the Richland cultivar, A.K. Harrow, CNS, Mukadan, Strain 171, Tokyo, and PI54610. Both Mandarin strains were derived from the original Mandarin cultivar introduced to America in the mid-1900s. More than 30% of the genome of 
are progenitor stock plants within the northern stock of soybeans was derived from both Mandarin cultivars, as seen by a researcher by the name of Dr. Dilnani, which was published in 1983. The genetic base, in terms of the different cultivars, for the northern gene pool is derived from the northern China region, and all existing cultivars were somewhat related to each other. These cultivars, especially the cultivar Richland, appear predominantly within the northern genotype cultivars. During the time period of the 1950s to the 1980s, there is very few changes in terms of the pedigree of the variant cultivars. A great many of these cultivars seem to be derived from a very narrow pool of populations. This seems to be confirmed by another paper written in 1994 by Dr. Ziek who found that the unknown parentage of the cultivar Lincoln seems to be the predominant ancestor of Canadian germplasm, contributing 25% of the genes to the northern genetic base, with 40% of the genetic base until recently consisted of four cultivars, Mandarin of the Ottawa variant, Richland, AC Harrow, and Mukden, with a small number of other cultivars such as Bellini Dunfield CNS number 171, PI 54610, and Tokyo contributed more than 2% to the northern genetic base, likely as a source of disease resistance through back crossing, as seen in the previous paper. Indeed, the conclusion of the paper by Dr. Gillis showcases that in the early days of soybean breeding, Lincoln and Mandarin, the Ottawa strain, were the primary contributors to the northern cultivar gene pool, contributing 24.2% and 17.2% of their genomes to the progeny, respectively. This would change with the University of Guelph breeding program in both Richtown campus and the main campus, where the foundation stock would have been expanded. The historical cultivars Flambeau, Lincoln, Manitoba Brown, Manchu, Ogden, Capital Peking, FICB4, and FICB3, as well as several of the cultivars mentioned in the previous papers were also added to the mix. Both campuses house in total 296 lines as of the writing of the paper I'm referencing by Dr. Robert Bruce. It consists of, at the writing of this paper, 63 released cultivars, 76 experimental lines of the main campus. In the Richtown campus, the numbers are 47 and 38 respectively, alongside 45 historical cultivars. Several of these cultivars such as OAC Champion, OAC Lakeview, Katrina, OAC Wallace, OAC Bayfield, Hirosoy, McCall, OAC Kent, Bicentennial, Corsoy, Arcad, Pinehurst, and Williams have been used often in the breeding process as well. Due to the increased request for varying types of soybean within the University of Guelph, Richtown, and main campus breeding programs, specifically in specialty traits such as high oil, modified fatty acid profiles, and seed size, the requirement to add new traits from different cultivars has expanded the gene pool within the soybean gene pool within Canada. Various experimental lines have been added into the mix, made from crosses between the wild ancestor of the soybean, glycine soja, and common cultivars of the common soybean in an effort to improve the oil quality within the soybean cultivars. Although the historical germplasm collected still shows higher levels of genetic diversity than either the Richtown or Guelph breeding program. Based on the current analysis by Dr. Bruce, a small amount of the cultivars are derived in part from these wild crosses, but most seem to be derived from cultivars with unknown ancestry, or preceding cultivars bred in the long-standing breeding programs, such as the experimental cultivars of Richtown and University of Guelph, respectively, and the cultivars released over the years. Now onto the individual cultivars I've matched to dig up. Soybeans 
and wheat are self-pollinating crops, and as such, are easier to breed new varieties from than corn. The basic way new varieties of self-pollinating crops are bred is through a crossbreeding process with two or more parents. This F1 seed is then allowed to self-pollinate. This allows for the genetic segregation of the various combinations of different genes, which ultimately lead to a series of homozygous dominant and homozygous recessive variations. These different lines segregate over time until 12 generations in, when they become genetically fixed. These distinct lines can then be tested for suitability in different cultivar trials. What I just described is called mass selection after an initial cross. Many are variations on this method, such as the such as the pedigree selection method and several others. Follow this are variations on this baseline method. And most cultivars of soybean are derived from breeding practices such as what I mentioned before. Now on to the pedigree of the various soybean cultivars I could find. Now on to the pedigree and germplasm foundational to University of Guelph breeding program. Utilizing 29 cultivars of whom I found the papers of and soy base to find out all the foundation stock behind it, I found out how frequently each cultivar appears by counting the number of cultivars that have that accession within its pedigree. And here's the results of the efforts I've put in. PI35335 appears in only one cultivar of the 29 cultivar panel I've selected, indicating that this accession is used very rarely within the breeding program of University of Guelph. Peking appeared in six of the 29 cultivars, indicating a more moderate use of this cultivar. Williams, Wells, and Merritt only appeared in one cultivar each within the panel. Aerosoy appeared the most often, with its pedigree being found within 20 of the 29 cultivars. Fisk B appeared in eight cultivars as a foundation stock parent, and Jewel appeared three times as a foundation stock parent. Another foundation stock parent, the Sagenta cultivar S1346, appears in a pedigree of three cultivars within the 29 cultivar panel. Clemson, the ancestor to CMS, appears as a foundation stock cultivar of 17 of the 29 cultivars through its ascendant, CMS, and its derivatives. The cultivar Nanking, the cultivar Nanking, appears in the pedigree of 9 of the 29 cultivars looked over. Ralsoy appears in 5 cultivars. AK appears in 7 cultivars. PI-36846 appears in 5 cultivars. The cultivar Lincoln appears in 16 of the 29 cultivars. In three cultivars, within three cultivars pedigree, the cultivar Kent makes an appearance. The cultivar Mukden is also quite prolific, appearing in 18 cultivars pedigree. Richland is the most prolific of the cultivars within the pedigree of Guelph soybean, appearing in 24 cultivars pedigree. Corsoy makes an appearance within the pedigree of free cultivars. The cultivar strain 171 appears within the pedigree of 12 cultivars. The strain PI196491 is in the pedigree of but one University of Guelph soybean. The strain 052-903 makes an appearance in only one soybean cultivar. The heirloom cultivar Flambeau makes an appearance in but one cultivar pedigree. The cultivar Arcat Rufen appears in only one cultivar's pedigree. The strain PI180501 appears in the pedigree of free soybean cultivars within the panel. The cultivar Roanoke appears twice within the panel. RG9, RG27, 
and RCAT9910 all only appear in one soybean cultivar, OAC Prosperity. The cultivar IA1008 appears in three cultivars. OEC Kent appears in two cultivars, as does both cultivars of which are derived from the same direct lineal descent. These include OEC Burton and OEC Ramsey. Pro 3005 likewise only make an appearance within OEC Burton and OEC Ramsey. And the same thing goes for the line LN955414. Munchberg appears in a pedigree of free cultivars of soybean within the University of Guelph panel I've collected. The cultivar PI196491 only found its way into the pedigree of one soybean cultivar. The cultivar Mica Ungana appears in the same cultivar as PI196491. This soybean cultivar is called AC Glengarry. The cultivar BK22-1-3 has found its way into the pedigree of seven cultivars within the panel selected. The proprietary Syngenta cultivar S15-20 has made appearance in only one cultivar of soybean within the panel. The soybean cultivar is called Katrina. Line A has found its way into the pedigree of only one cultivar, Arcat Matt. Ricks. The cultivar Baron was utilized in the pedigree of but one cultivar, OEC Eremosa. The cultivar PI36846 has been utilized in the pedigree of two soybean cultivars. The foundation cultivar Ogden appears in nine of the 29 cultivars pedigree. The cultivars 9303 and T8508 were utilized in breeding the cultivar Arcat Staples, but the cultivar 9303 did not show up in any other cultivar within the panel. T8508 appeared, however, within the soybean cultivar PRO2853. Hike, hike, but joking aside, the cultivar Pagoda appeared in the pedigree of two cultivars, and the cultivar CM385 and CM399 appeared in the cultivar Arcat Dover and nowhere else. The cultivar PI196491 appears only in one cultivar, Pro2853. The cultivar PI72182 appears in five cultivars, while the cultivar PI361.088B appears only within two cultivars, pedigree. OEC Arthur and OEC Trent. The cultivar PI180501 appears only in one cultivar, PRO3005. The cultivar PI81041 appears in four of the cultivars bred in the University of Guelph. The cultivar PI36846 appears in five of the 29 cultivars pedigree. The cultivar FC31745 appears in two of the 29 cultivars. The cultivar PI171442 appears in two of the 29 cultivars pedigree. The cultivar Hill appears in two out of the 29 cultivars. The cultivar PI81041 appears in Four out of the 29 cultivars, the cultivar J251 only made appearance in the pedigree of Arcat Corbett. The cultivar Midwest N452994 and PI6396 all appeared only within one cultivar, OEC Fames. Most of these cultivars are hybrids between multiple foundation stock-based cultivars. Amongst the cultivars that appeared most often within the panel, Harrisoy, Clemson, Lincoln, Richland, and Mukden made up the majority of the gene pool of soybean, with the addition of other cultivars mixed into 
the population. Combining this knowledge with the base population of pre-1980 foundation stock of soybeans for the northern United States and Canada, and the work by Dr. Bruce, we can conclude that the foundation stock and genetics of soybean has not been altered that much, with only minor traces of new germplasm entering into the picture. To further understand the current genetics of our modern soybean versus the ancient soybeans of, of the 1950s to 1980s in terms of Canadian germplasm, a great deal of change occurred during the era of O.C. Bayfield. After its bred, utilizing these parents as seen above, a great deal of other sources of germplasm were found. Increased use of University of Guelph derivative hybrids, private lines, and government lines occurred, with OEC Bayfield being the founder for a good chunk of our modern germplasm. Indeed, post-introduction of OEC Bayfield, there is a genetic bottleneck of 70%, despite the possible addition of new cultivars from other parts of the world, potentially speaking, as well as the addition of wild-derived genotypes. However, the fixed genes within the current modern germplasm is necessary for agronomic performance in the modern agricultural production system. As such, it is suggested by Dr. Ratchchan that different breeding programs need to be developed to prevent too much fixation of traits and add new beneficial traits to further improve and maintain the genetic diversity of the gene pool. Now on to the wheat breeding program. We first must cover the foundation stock from which our cultivars were derived from. One of our Canadian heritage varieties is Red Fife, which was bred in 1885 by Mr. David Fife in Peterborough, Ontario, by pure chance. It was derived from a winter wheat that was mistakenly planted as a spring wheat. One mutated version of that cultivar grew up in the spring and was propagated, creating red fife in the process. Other cultivars that are utilized in the foundation stock includes Lagoda, a land race from Russia, and Hard Red Calcutta, a land race from India. A great deal of our cultivars are derived, at least initially, from the stock. The other foundation stock cultivars include Dawson's Golden Chaff, Imperial Amber, Turkey Red, Treadwell, Saxonoka, Colorado, Wild Goose, Meta, and Ontario. Dawson's Golden Chaff is actually one of the first varieties ever bred by University of Guelph. It was bred in 1891 and was grown as a principal wheat for over six years. So the University of Guelph indeed has its hands in everything, even the heirloom wheat varieties. Turkey Red variety, developed by Mennonite immigrants from the part of Russia that is now known as the Ukraine. I was unable to find out the origins of Treadwell and Imperial Amber. I was likewise, I was unable to find out the origins of the Colorado and Saxonka spring wheat cultivars. Indeed, that's all the origins of the foundation stock I could find. However, since the foundation stock was established, new breeding processes were developed. If you look at modern wheat, the genetic diversity has increased immensely. The 1881 cultivar Dawson, bred by the University of Guelph, was a combination of the foundation stock of Lancaster, Poole, Enya, Governor, Defiance, Red Fife, a land race from France, Horn Blend, Des Des Bless Indians, an Indian cultivar, a land race from Palestine, a land race from Morocco, a Russian cultivar called Yaroslav Emmer, Hard Red Calcutta, Red Fife, the cultivar Umilo, the cultivar Crimean, Turkey Red, the land race of Scotland, the land race of England, and a Black Sea cultivar. The 1948 cultivar, Double, has much of a similar pedigree, but with additional cultivars mixed into the bloodline, such as the cultivar White Clausen, the cultivar Red Egyptian, the Kenyan experimental cultivar Kenya BF43B10V1, a land race from the Rio Grande, 
another Mexican land race called Land Race Geopur, a land race from Brazil, the Cultivar Turco, the Cultivar Reiti, a Japanese land race, a New Zealand land race, a Great Britain land race, the Heirloom Cultivar White Denexic, the Cultivar Mediterranean, the Heirloom Cultivar Decoff Rouge, the Heirloom Cultivar Zeeland, the Heirloom Cultivar Kenya Governor, the Heirloom Cultivar Markui, the Experimental Line Nainari 60, the Markin Land Race, the Experimental Cultivar Aguilaria 8A8, the Experimental Chinese Cultivar Chinese 466, the Land Race called ESP, the Manchurizaka Heirloom Cultivar, the West Szechuan Land Race, the Szechuan Land Race, the Cultivar San Martin, the Cultivar Election Dance des Blessed Indians, the Cultivar Summer Club, the Cultivar Sunrise, the Cultivar Musa Fargir, another English land race, Dutuat, Gabo Kenya, another land race of Mexican origin, an experimental cultivar that has some crossbreeding with rye, and two other experimental cultivars. In 1957, the same cultivar as the last two were used, both even more additions, such as an Indian land race, the cultivar Purple Straw, 14A, the cultivar Petkus, the cultivar Maida, and yet another land race called Gunma, and the cultivar Uzenabol and Turkey 889, as well as the cultivars Redchaff and Florence. The cultivar Lennox bred in 1975 was bred from a land race called Kemachug. In the 1980s, the cultivar OAC Triwell was bred from an experimental cultivar of unknown origin called Uman. In 1984, OAC Decade was bred, and it had much the same lineage as the previous ones mentioned, but with the addition of even more experimental and wild lines. In 1988, a cultivar of unknown origin, OAC Trillium, was bred. I say unknown origin because I could not find the parents anywhere. Skipping to 2012, second verse, same as the first, but with a few more twists, such as the addition of Landrace Hungary, another Landrace called Terasheko, the Cultivar Ardito, and several other Landraces. Although they have varying degrees of the same ancestry, each iteration adds a new form of genetic diversity through different cultivars. OAC Emmy follows the same pattern, as does OAC Flight, both of which were bred in 2013. In 2015 to 2021, greater levels of proprietary stock were used, limiting my ability to trace back the lineages of these cultivars. But based on the trends seen above, it is likely that these cultivars will continue to increase in genetic diversity. Now on to our final crop, dry beans. For the last crop on our hit list, we'll cover dry beans. The paper I'm referencing is by the late Dr. Navabi, a bean breeder turned wheat breeder. One of his papers in 2014 was showcasing the genetic lineage of dry beans in Ontario. The dry bean breeding program within Ontario is the merger of the government-run dry bean breeding experiments in the Central Experimental Farm in Ottawa, another government-run facility in Harrow, and the University of Guelph breeding program started in 1977. Dr. Navabi utilized the pedigree data obtained by collecting the research papers from the government research centers and the University of Guelph proper. Indeed, a list was already compiled by a researcher called Dr. Sutton and Dr. Cohen. It was found that most of the germplasm utilized in the bean breeding program can be traced back to free land races. These land races include the Mesoamerica land race, the Durango land race, and the Nova Grenada land race. Here are the results of the experiment. The genetic dissimilarity level within these three land races was 0.89, meaning that these were highly genetically diverse. However, the genetic diversity within the cultivars bred between 1930 to 2010 was 0.93.
indicating a higher level of genetic diversity within our new cultivars, derived from the intermixing of different lineages. Another reality is that Intergression between these three groups played a major role in the breeding of our dry bean cultivars. Different clusters have formed over time with different levels of variation due to crossbreeding between different lineages of dry bean to breed new varieties. But the level of intergression was not uniform across all the different market classes of beans. For instance, all of our Canadian market class beans of the Navy market class are derived from Mesoamerican landrace stock, as far as we can tell, as are the black bean. The great northern bean are derived from mixes of Mesoamerican and Durango landraces, as are the pink, pinto, and small red beans market classes. Those cultivars are derived from a mixture of Mesoamerican and Durango landraces. The dark red and light red kidney beans are derived from all the above, both the Mesoamerican land races, the Durango land races, and the Nova Granada land race. All three land races played a role in the breeding of our kidney bean cultivars. However, although the parental origins are genetically diverse, the amount of parents are not. Since the writing of this paper, 64 cultivars make up the foundation stock of the University of Guelph breeding program for the navy beans and black beans. For the foundation stock of the great northern, pink, pinto, and small red bean market classes, these cultivars are derived from 23 cultivar lines and all the kidney bean cultivars as of the writing of this paper I'm referencing were derived from 11 foundation stock cultivars. Within navy beans, the cultivar Seafarer remains a primary parent within all the remaining cultivars of navy beans, and much of the foundation stock is derived from that lineage, at least in part. In black beans, the cultivar PI203958, a black bean line from Mexico, was found to have fusarium resistance, and so Genetics from this plant was intergressed within a great many cultivars of black bean, as well as many of the pinto, pink, and red beans. To conclude, those derived from the Mesoamerican lineages have a wider genetic pool to draw from than those derived from the Andean landrace gene pool. Other crosses that have been made include crossbreeds of the common bean with a wild bean species called Faisal's coccinesis. Through intergression, which is a process of crossbreeding two lines together and then backcrossing repeatedly into one of the parental lines to create a variety of plant with a small amount of DNA from one line and the majority of the DNA from another line. Other species used in this crossbreeding effort were the tapiary bean, which adds some genes that allow for improved resistance to bacterial blight. One example of this process of, of intergression would be the cultivar apex. Due to frequent backcrossing, only 0.02% of the DNA within the apex cultivar is of tapiary bean origin. So with the continued addition of wild stock, there's still plenty of opportunities for the level of variation to grow within dry beans. To conclude, the level of genetic diversity within corn remains unknown, although it's probably lower than the land races themselves, due to the heavy reliance on inbred lines to derive new cultivars, to breed further inbred lines, and by proxy new F1 hybrids. The level of genetic diversity and the pedigree of these lines cannot be fully known as the genetic lineages of these corn varieties are proprietary, and as such, are hidden with a lock and key. Soybeans, on the other hand, seem to have a small amount of foundation stock utilized in the breeding of different varieties, with a different ratio of different foundation stock cultivars making a difference between different modern cultivars. Although with the addition of new genes from different cultivars, the genetic diversity based on pedigree, is likely increasing, although in small amounts. With wheat, 
there is continuous additions of new land races and new cultivars, with each iteration of new modern cultivar breeding. Although most of the modern lines we see of wheat are derived from proprietary stock, making the pedigree of said stock plants unknown, it is likely, based on the trend I've seen, that the genetic diversity would only increase within wheat, as it continues to do throughout most of the breeding history of wheat within University of Guelph. And as for dry beans, it's a complicated story. The navy bean lineages seem to be quite genetically diverse, even with a portion of the cultivars all carrying pedigree from one particular cultivar. This in combination with continued intergression from wild species seems to suggest that future breeding practices will be more genetically diverse. The same cannot be said for the foundation stock of the University of Guelph's Pinto, Great Northern, Pink, and Small Red beans, and to an even lesser extent, the Kidney bean. But overall, I see interesting trajectory nonetheless. The dry bean, soybean, and wheat breeding programs seem to continue to add new genetic diversity into the populations to derive new cultivars. This makes these breeding programs a sustainable source of new genetic material that will keep farming sustainable in Ontario for generations to come. The only exception to this rule I could find would be corn, and that would be because without the knowledge of the pedigree of these inbred lines, I'm unable to draw any conclusions regarding the genetic diversity of the foundation stock of our Canadian corn. But nonetheless, the genetic resources within our cultivars, at least in terms of soybean, dry bean, and wheat, indicating that the future of farming looks quite bright. And that's a good note to end on. Thank you for your time.